Did you know that every major diaper company either financially or vocally supports abortion? If that appalls you and you're looking to support a baby brand that aligns with your pro-life, pro-family views, then every life is your solution. Every life firmly believes that regardless of where someone is from, what they look like, or whether they were planned or unplanned, every baby is a miracle from God worthy of love, protection, and celebration. Every Life offers high-performing, supremely soft, premium diapers and wipes delivered right to your doorstep. Their diapers are crafted without fragrances, dyes, lotions, latex, parabens, or phthalates. And you can feel good knowing that every purchase with Every Life contributes to changing lives through their support of pro-life organizations and pregnancy resource centers. Every Life is not just changing diapers, they're changing lives. Visit everylife.com to learn more. That's everylife.com. And don't forget to use promo code Duffy10 for an exclusive 10% discount on your first order today. Welcome to you from the kitchen table. I'm Sean Duffy, along with my partner for the podcast and my wife, Rachel Campos Duffy. Thank you, Sean. It's good to be here and talk about, I think, uh, what is what is an important midterm election, but also I think there were some bright spots here and a lot of people are down and out today and maybe not necessarily, Sean. I mean, Donald Trump won 93% of all of the races he endorsed, although he did lose some of the more, I guess, high profile races, Pennsylvania um, with Dr. Oz, but I think there's going to need some time here for the dust to settle to figure out what really happened. Well, I agree. There are some there are some bright spots. I'm just going to eat a little bit of crow right now on our podcast. I thought uh, that the House was going to go big. Uh, Republicans were going to have a 30 seat majority. Uh, it looks like Republicans may have, you know, a, a 10 seat majority, give or take a couple seats. I also called a 51 seat majority in the Senate. That's still alive because. We're still counting votes in Nevada. We're counting votes in Arizona. And there's going to be a runoff in Georgia. Now, it looks like uh, Laxalt in in Nevada is hanging in there and has a pathway to victory. It's going to be tough for Masters to win against Kelly in Arizona. But obviously, that race hasn't been called. We have to wait a month until we get to the runoff election in Georgia. By the way, that won't matter if Republicans lose both Nevada and Arizona because Democrats will have the majority no matter what. But Taking control of the House, firing Nancy Pelosi um, gives Republicans in the Congress a whole set of gavels that allow them to do massive oversight over Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and the FBI and the DOJ and the CIA and education, the uh, botched Afghanistan withdrawal. A whole bunch of oversight will come from the House as well as good legislation to get our economy back on track. So that's a positive. Yeah, that is definitely a positive. But I guess I was really looking forward to some of the hearings coming out of the Senate, especially with Ron Johnson. And that will depend on whether the Senate is in Republican hands or not. And so that's that's a big deal, right? Well, it is a big deal. But at least if you have one body, one body can do oversight. But again, the the likes of Ron Johnson have been powerful in the Senate. He's been unafraid. Uh, in his, you know, in his effort to 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 seek the truth, and given that guy Gavel, that Senator Gavel from the great state of Wisconsin, would do wonders. But again, at least Republicans do have gavels 
Rachel. Um, you know, listen, I, I, maybe we should talk a little bit about, a little bit about what we think happened, because I, I, there's no clear line. There's there, we're so close to the election. You know, all the the exit polling and all the data is not in, and there's no clarity really on what happened to the red wave that Republicans were supposed to have with issues that were great for them. I mean, the, 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 the economy has been faltering. Democrats have destroyed it. Republicans are great on the economy and border security and crime and, you know, schools teaching kids to read and write, you know, math and science as opposed to indoctrinating them. A whole issue set that sits in their favor, all the while Democrats ran on abortion and democracy, and they seem to do pretty well. Um, with the American voter in this election with a couple of issues that I, I'm surprised that the American voter fell for when their pocketbooks are getting crushed. You know, I don't, I have a different thought on this. I look at a place like New York City that has, you know, massive crime um, spikes and increases and Democrats even living in the city. Um, AOC, for example, saying, oh, it's no big deal. It's exaggerated. Same with um, Mayor Eric Adams, um, you know, really downplaying it. Same with Governor Hochul downplaying what everyday citizens who ride the subway or walk on the streets of New York have to deal with. But I look at the amount that, you know, our good friend uh, Zeldin, Lee Zeldin lost by. And I wonder if he lost by the amount of people who left New York City. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, is it that blue cities are getting bluer and red places are getting redder and that this red wave was sort of based on a model, maybe a pre-COVID model of, you know, the ability to, you know, swing voters to your side, but maybe those those voters who were most susceptible to be swung to your side, um, independents and maybe some common sense Democrats, the few that are left, maybe they left. And they went to Florida and voted yes. by a twenty-point uh, 20 margin for and, yeah for uh, for Ron DeSantis. Yeah. Well, he, you know, I, I look at New York and just to be, I'm going to go off on a, a second here because I think the crime issue is so pronounced in this city, and it's on the forefront of voters' minds. And I know that a lot of news networks carry all the crime stories coming out of New York, and a lot of the producers for news networks live in New York City, so they care about it. But as a Wisconsin guy, I look at New York and I'm like, you know what, why, do we, why, why does news outlets cover crime in New York? They vote for this garbage. They want left-wing liberal Democrats who don't want to enforce the law that, that favor criminals over, uh, over victims and people you know, are living in fear. And all the while, these voters who live in these cities say, you know what, we want more of that. We want more progressive policies that don't enforce our laws, that have drug sales on the streets, carjackings all over, rapes and murders and gunshots firing, you know, in the neighborhoods. That's what they want. And if that's what they want, I mean, I think that's disgusting. I don't want to live in a community like that. But if they want that, so be it. Why do we cover those stories? Let them live in squalor. Let them live in filth. Let them live in violence. So be it. And the ones yeah, no, I, 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 I hear you on that, Sean. And I, you know, you and I feel the same way. You know, we walk, we, we would never want to live in New York City. Um, it smells like pot and urine. It's disgusting. Um, it, it's completely deteriorated in the seven years that I've been coming back and forth to the city. I've seen the decline and I agree. People vote, you know, they knew that voting for Eric Adams wasn't going to change a damn thing. It was a slight improvement over de Blasio. So I'm with you on that. I'll tell you where I feel bad. 
I feel bad for the people of Arizona. You know, I'm from Arizona. My parents live in Arizona. And you see an election like this. To me, it was very clear that Carrie Lake was going to win. If not just because she is seems so competent um, and she is so, um, you know, dead set on fixing the border and seems like such a credible person to actually do it um, because she seems so strong and competent, but also because her opponent, Katie Hobbs, is so bad. I mean, she's like an SNL sketch. She's like worse than Veep. I've never seen a worse, um, less prepared, more incompetent candidate uh, than Katie Hobbs. And she's overseeing the election and all of the machines and things that aren't working in Maricopa County. She's overseeing her own election. I feel bad for the people of Arizona because I don't feel like things are on the up and up there. And I think it's 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 sad that in this day and age, they can't have an election that people can count on. And I'm telling you, Sean, you know how I feel about same day voting and early voting. I hate early voting. I don't think we should have early voting. I think we should not just vote on the same day. We should vote with the same information um, as everybody else. And if you're voting in September, you're not voting on what you know in October. And I think it's wrong. And clearly, Sean, I think that fed a little bit into um, some of the polling, this idea that people were casting ballots, you know, way back in early September when perhaps they were still, um, you know, the issue of abortion and Roe versus Wade were still steaming. But as the economy got worse, it was very clear from the polling that the, the American people we're worried about gas prices. They're choosing between heating and eating. Um, and and it was too late. Too many of those votes were already cast. And 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 also you had the lack of, I think, competency um, of elections in places like Arizona. But 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 a little pushback on that. Again, those voters chose to cast their ballots without all the information they would have had had they waited six weeks into October, into the, you know, in, 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 until November 8th, they chose not to wait to have that information. They wanted to cast their ballot right away. The rules said they could. You know, I think my concern to, to, to your point, Rachel, is I mean, the fact that you had, you know, a lack of ink in the machines that caused long lines um, for same uh, for election day voters, which are usually Republican voters in some Republican leaning areas. That doesn't uh -huh. smell very good to me. No, but it if, doesn't. If the voters of Arizona cared about Katie Hobbs overseeing her own election and were angry about that, they could have come out in droves and voted against her. They didn't. It's a really close race in Arizona. They chose to say, that's okay, Katie, run your own election. Now, we might say that's unfair, but the voters aren't punishing her for running her own election. Um, it's a tight race. And so, again, I, you get the government that you vote for. And liberals are getting the government that they vote for. And sadly, in America, we might be living you know, with the Senate, with the John Fetterman from Pennsylvania, um, who is a radical lefty. I mean, the, some of the most radical leftist policies John Fetterman holds, and he's going to have a hard time doing the job, you know, sadly because of his stroke. And the Pennsylvania yeah. voters said, you know what, I'd rather have, you know, a guy in a pair of baggy shorts and a, and a hoodie who's having a hard time, you know, campaigning, let alone probably doing the job. I'd rather have that than a, than a heart surgeon. Well, maybe um, they were voting for Giselle, Sean. Who's, by the way, worse than veteran. Yeah, which is his, which She's is more wife. radical than veteran. She's so radical, Sean, that she actually volunteers. Like, think about all the things with your extra time you can volunteer to do. She volunteers at abortion clinics. That's oh. how how radical she is. Um, not a food kitchen. Nope. She goes to an abortion mill to volunteer. So she is worse 
Um, and I suspect people think just like Joe Biden, he might not make it through the, the full term. And I think maybe Giselle is going to take over. Um, and she was on the campaign trail. She was. And you're right. The people um, voted for him. And um, I saw a funny. I think it was a tweet. I can't remember where I saw it, but they said the people of Pennsylvania decided that being, you know, having a stroke was um, less terrible than being, you know, than having lived in Jersey, which is, of course, what they accused uh, Dr. Oz of. So um, I guess they, they made that decision. Frankly, I don't know why Dr. Oz, I'll never understand why Dr. Oz didn't resonate um, with with the voters, especially when you compared him to Fetterman. I thought Dr. Oz was a good candidate, a smart guy. Um, I didn't agree with him on everything, but I thought he was going to do a, a more than competent job, um, a, a serious job and take the job seriously. I, you know, I look at Fetterman and it's not just what happened in with the stroke shot. He just doesn't look like somebody who takes anything seriously. Yeah, yeah, I think you're. I think you're right, and it kind of goes to like what happened in the election. And I'm gonna let me give you a couple of my ideas what the themes could have been, and I don't know if it was any one of these. Again, the dust is still settling, but a lot of people have said it was Donald Trump. Donald Trump said he was going to announce uh, his presidency the day of the election. He was going to announce it a week from then. Um, They're saying that Donald Trump picked bad candidates, whether it was Doctor Doctor Oz, whether it was Masters. Um, but he also picked J.D. Vance, who won. And I, I, so I want to talk about the, the Donald Trump factor. That could have been an energizing, motivating factor for Democrats to get out and vote. That wasn't seen in a lot of the polling. There was an NBC poll that came out a couple of days before the election that said that Democrats were more energized. I laughed at that poll, and I think it was actually right. Valentina was here taking a nap, and now she's woken up. Um, so she's crying in the background. I apologize for the, 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 the kitchen table action here, but look at, um, Monica De La Cruz uh, on the border of Texas was endorsed by Donald Trump, a Democrat seat that she actually won, uh, Derek Van Orden, uh, a Democrat held seat that was then open in Wisconsin, 50, 50 seat Donald Trump endorsed and he won Wesley Hunt in oh. Texas. He Tony won. Gonzalez in Texas was a was a, also a hotly contested race. He's an incumbent, but still, that's a very Democrat area endorsed by Trump. He held on to his seat as well. There were so, there were lots of, of races that he held on to. You know, I don't know. At the end of the day, some people said Chana was abortion. And I'll tell you what, if a lackluster midterm is the price uh, that pro-lifers like us had to pay for Roe versus Wade being overturned, I mean, we'll take that every day of the week. 100%. I mean, right. But, and I but, think it's, did, but, but there were uh, there were pro-life and pro-choice measures on the ballot as well. And the pro-choicers won many of those ballot measures in conservative states. They won in conservative um, states. Um, and so what that tells me, Sean, is that politically we won the big one. Right. We won the lottery with the overturning of Roe versus Wade. It's the cultural work that's the hard work and that has to be done. And I tell you, young girls right now have been so indoctrinated with this sort of girl boss, girl power, this very anti-family, anti-child, you know, um, live for yourself mentality. And they also live in a very, we live in a very expendable, um, you know, society where everything is disposable and that includes children. And so the, the messages they're getting from social media, from culture, from everything is live for yourself. Um, children will hinder you go, you know, go on that trip, go do this, go do that. 
And so I think all of that all together, um, social media, Hollywood, um, all of it and, and politics, um, it, it, there's a lot of cultural work for the pro-life movement to do to bring back a culture of life. So there's been a lot of emphasis on the politics and it's paid off, but you will lose these other initiatives if, if we don't do the hard work of, of changing hearts and minds. And it can be done. People change their minds about slavery and how they felt about that um, over time. The same thing has to happen. The same kind of education and work at, at, a, at a real grassroots heart level. We'll have more of this conversation after this. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now, you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace, connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project, big or small. As a homeowner myself, I always have things I want to work on for my house, whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks. Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. Well, to that point, uh, uh, 60% of uh, single women voted Democrat, 30% voted Republican. Um, rough numbers, but that's a massive yep. that's a massive uh, uh, vote. And that probably comes down quite a bit to abortion and a little bit more services that Democrats offer in their policies. But it also could have been, Rachel, Great point. That, that the Democrats were saying, listen, there's this the MAGA Republican, election denier Republican, semi-fascist Republican, democracy sees at stake. What impact did that have on the race? I don't know. Right. Um, they, they came out at the end saying, listen, Social Security and Medicare are in jeopardy. Did that move senior voters I doubt, to say, I doubt I believe that, that works, Sean. I, Haven't they been trying it, that for so long? It, 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 but these are themes that were used in the campaign, and I don't know what worked with who. And again, I would sit back and laugh at what they're trying to run on with what's going on you know, in America right now. And frankly, they stemmed this massive wave. Again, they're going to lose the House, but um, they did remarkably well on a, on a set of issues that I think were horrible for them to run on. And they, and they pulled it through. And it brings me to this question, Rachel, I, this is kind of, the, we're talking about things that we can actually see right now. We can talk about, but there's some things that happen that we can't see that we can't know that we don't even know are happening. And that's the role of big tech. And yeah. Tucker Carlson today has a great special on the influence of Google and the way they throttle up messages or throttle down messages on their search engine, they can impact the outcomes of elections. The same thing could happen for Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or TikTok. And we don't know 
at all what those big tech companies that are very leftist, what they did in this election to actually drive turnout or drive opinions one way or the other, which is why I think a Republican House doing oversight to figure out what big tech is doing, what kind of a contribution is that to the Democrat Party or to individual candidates? And it's coming from a corporation. And if they are, they should be criminally prosecuted and new laws should be passed about what big tech can do with their algorithms to influence elections in America, because it's a really, really powerful tool. Yeah, I mean, we spent, what, four years looking at, uh, you know, so-called Russian meddling in elections. And it was like, you know, the the Russians spent like four thousand dollars on some really crappy ads on Facebook. Um, This is serious stuff. In fact, I'm really glad you brought it up, Sean, because if you haven't, if our listeners have not uh, gone on to Fox Nation and got and and pulled up Tucker Carlson today, it's an episode. um, It came out around, I guess, October 10th. It's with Dr. Robert Epstein and it's called Big Tech Election Meddling. I think it is the most important Tucker Carlson today that I've seen and I've seen many, many good ones. Um, it is it is absolutely the most important, Sean. And I really hope that, you know, this new Republican majority house brings in uh, Dr. Epstein to show what he has discovered. He oddly, I mean, for such an important topic, a topic that so much hinges on, seems to be the only one who, um, who has a massive study going on to study the impact. He's a, he's a psychologist to study uh, the study, the impact of big tech on on basically how we what we do based on the messages they're sending. It's sort of like mind control. Right. And he literally says that we are that the idea that we have fear, free and fair elections is that it's a it's an illusion because big tech is turning up the dial for the Democrats and turning down the dial for the Republicans. He's actually a Democrat himself. I I think this is one of the most important things that the House, I mean, and you know, I care about Hunter Biden, the fact that our president is is compromised by the Chinese. Boy, do I want to get to the bottom of that. I want to get to the bottom of what they're doing with, with energy policy, all kinds of stuff. But nothing could be more important than our election integrity. And the role of big tech, as you said, Sean, is silent. We don't see it. We can't see it happening. And that's what this guy was talking about. Powerful stuff. And it, it, it absolutely is changing the way people vote. You know, I, I you mentioned that to bring this uh, this fellow in uh, that was on Tucker Carlson today to talk about it. He's a Democrat, but talking about the influence of big tech and free and fair elections to have a hearing with him, but also the CEO of Google, have them at the mm-hmm. same panel at the same table and have a great wow. discussion about what they're doing. That's what the House should do. Um, and again, that is the bright spot. And I just, I'll just mention another bright spot. You've seen this solidifying of the working American voting Republican and the rich liberal coastal elite voting Democrat. Yeah. That was solidified. But also you saw greater pickups in percentages with the Hispanic community and with the African-American community for the Republican Party, some trends are breaking. We're in a once in a generation political shakeup and mix up here that is seen st- uh, uh, states vote differently than they always have. Arizona, always Republican trending, more Democrat. Georgia, more Republican trending now, more Democrat. But Florida, uh, purple state, sometimes blue state is now red. Uh, uh, Ohio was a was a blue state, then a purple state. Now it's a red state. 
you're seeing competitive races. And I mean, you got to remember that Pennsylvania, that we're talking about Pennsylvania is a big deal because that was a deep blue state. Republicans really never had a shot at winning Pennsylvania. That's Donald true. Trump That's won great Pennsylvania point. in 2016. Great point. I think it was the first time since 1988 that a Republican president won the state of Pennsylvania. So the working men and women of Pennsylvania say, I want a different course and Republicans fit my values more so than Democrats. So the political map is shaking up. Just one other one. West Wait, Virginia. Sean, can I just say really quick? West Virginia it's not, was it's not red and blue. It's not red and blue. It's not black and white. It's elites versus the working class. Versus not elites, you're right. But West Virginia, always a reliable blue state. Now it's reliably red. Now, Virginia yeah. used to be Republican, and now it's you know trending more Democrat. So it's interesting. We're in this makeup right now of a shakeup uh, in the map of America, and we're watching it in real time in these elections. And I would just say, you know, uh, I'm a little disappointed, but I'm I am heartened with the with, with the fact that Republicans do have one chamber. They can put a legislative stop to Joe Biden. They're going to have a hard time putting a stop. If, we, if by the way, that's if Republicans don't win the Senate. That's not. That's not a foregone conclusion yet. Republicans still can win it. But to have those gavels stop bad legislation and do oversight over this administration, that is going to do wonders for sanity in Washington, which is needed, you know, for the last two years, no doubt. Sean, do you know who Patricia Heaton is, the actress? I do. So she was on Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, She's a I would say I don't know if she's a conservative or a Republican, I should say. I know she's a Catholic. Um, and she's a pro-lifer. And I was looking at my Twitter today and she tweeted this out. She tweeted, for those of you who are Christians and who feel disappointed or despairing of the election results, it is a blessing to be reminded that our security does not rest in men or governments, which are finite and will eventually crumble, but in God alone, who is ever sustaining I think that's interesting. I mean, it's it's it, you, obviously politics matters and and impacts our lives and you know the lives of you know the unborn, the lives of even people in Africa who right now are starving because of our crazy green energy policies that are happening here and in Europe. Um, people's lives are affected by politics. There's no question about it. But in the end, uh, I think you and I have always said that it really comes down to the family and it really comes down to, you know, I mean, ultimately, are, are we maybe even, I hear this a lot from people, and I agree, you know, we're in a spiritual battle right now for our country, for our families. Um, there's no question if you're dealing with people trying to indoctrinate your kids and convince them that their your little son is a little girl and confuse them about their gender um, and start to introduce them to pornographic sexual materials in kindergarten when they don't, aren't ready for any of that, you know, there's a spiritual battle going on, but maybe, I, you know, we, we can't put too much of our hope in these elections. We, we have to do some of the work right in our homes with our own kids. A hundred percent. The family is the, is the pathway to salvation in America because raising good kids that are well-educated where you talk about these topics is so important because if you give a blank slate to the school system and to TikTok and Instagram, they know what to do with it. They are indoctrinating your little, your little Johnny and little Susie into a, uh, a cultural radical warrior. But also, Rachel, it's important. Again, I agree with you. I mean, we have we have faith, um, God, and family, 
We love our country. But you see the left, and traditionally, this is what happens. They want to take that right away from you. And so government and politics is important to preserve these constitutional ideals that our founders gave us and protected for us in that document. The left wants to eradicate um, from society and demonize it. I mean, we had a, we did a podcast yeah. on the rosary, that the rosary is a violent weapon now. I mean, this is insane, <laughs> yeah. insane stuff, but this is what they do. And again, we have to rely on God, focus on our families, but also get involved in politics to make sure that we uh, have preserved that right to practice our faith the way we see fit and have the freedom to raise our kids um, consistent with our values. Um, and that does come down to politics. So you're, you're yeah. right. I, th I think these two things, three things go together completely. So, yeah, I think also that, you know, we have to protect, we have to protect the family. So we talk about, we need, we need the thing, but government is going after your family and government through, you know, their schools and the unions and all of the, 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 the Marxist cultural Marxist ideology that they're pushing in the schools and through the social media, they are trying to separate your child from you and your values. And some of that is on the ballot for sure. And not just at this, you know, congressional level, it's on the ballot at your school board level or, you know, county board level. So, you know, yeah, I'm not trying to dismiss it, but I also want people to have a perspective on what's, what's going on. Sean, can I ask you really quick, what do you make of this, you know, you're feeling it in the, in the, in the winds right now, the political winds, this idea of trying to pit um, Donald Trump against, against Ron DeSantis and force in this idea that it feels like in the media, there's a desire to make people pick right now. Who are you with DeSantis or Trump? Um, as if we were in a primary already. Well, listen, I think we are somewhat in a primary, Rachel. I think you know, are Donald we Trump's going to, well, Donald are Trump's we gonna, no, he's going to announce in a week, you know, Ron DeSantis had a big night and, you know, it looks like he's probably going to run. That is going to be the, the big Goliaths running against each other. Um, and the party's going to be split and one's going to win and they're going to then have to, to, to unify at some point. Um, and, you always you know, say good primaries make people better candidates. Is or do you, or do you think this is going to will that have that effect? No, I think well, as, as as long as the party unifies after you got to unify and get around your candidate. You can't take your ball and and go home. If if the electorate can do that, and usually these primaries are early enough where that can happen before a presidential, and the the differences are going to be so stark between whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis and, and Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or. Gavin Newsom. And so I, th I do think Republicans will come home and candidates are better when they're when they're tested in primaries. Metal sharpens metal. Always, a, a, I think, a good thing. Um, I do think we should keep it somewhat clean um, and keep that it won't on the happen with Donald issues. Trump, Sean, it, it, that it, you it, know it, that that he plays hard and Ron DeSantis plays hard, too. So it, it'll be a, it'll it'll be a good matchup. But um, I, you know what I think? I, I do you look think there could be someone else in there. Oh, I, th I think there's going to be a lot of people getting in, the, in this primary. I think whether it's, you know, Nikki Haley or, or Mike Pompeo or Tim Scott um, or Rick Scott, or that, I mean, there's going to be a, a number of them that get in. But then I think you'll see them get out very quickly. But here's what I want to, here's my takeaway. I didn't, we didn't do as well as I would have liked. I think you feel the same way, Rachel. I'm going to lick my wounds. I want to figure out what we didn't do right, what we got wrong learn from it and come back even stronger in two years from now and win the presidency 
the Senate map in two years from now, a lot of really uh, tough seats for Democrats are up for election. Republicans, if they don't take the Senate uh, this election, if we don't get it now, Republicans are going to get it two years from now, no doubt. More than likely, they'll expand the majorities in the House. And you may have the presidency, which gives Republicans a great opportunity to roll back so many of these crazy policies and do smart things. So what I'm telling you is we may have to be a little patient and we have to be really smart <laughs> as we roll forward and take the win that we got in the House. And I, I, I do hope that Kevin McCarthy um, rocks this thing. Can I, I, I got to go in one second, Rachel, but if I can make one quick point, uh, Joe Biden was basically taunting Republicans about coming after his son, Hunter Biden. And I'm like, is this guy stupid? Republicans aren't going after uh, Hunter Biden. They're not going after your son, Joe. They're coming after you because you sold the vice presidency through your son to foreign actors um, so you could get rich and sell our country out. We're coming for you, Joe. We don't care about Hunter, but Joe Biden, you're going down if, 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 if you were the big guy and you were getting 10% of these deals that your son was cutting with China and Ukraine and, and Russia. Oh, we're coming, Joe. Watch out. Well, and it's not if, Sean, I asked Ron Johnson, Michael Pillsbury, who is a China you know, expert, and Gordon Chang on three different occasions, probably more because I've interviewed them multiple times. And every time I have them, I ask them directly, is Joe Biden compromised? And every single one of them says yes. And in the case of Ron Johnson and, 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 and Michael Pillsbury, they actually talk about the policies that, would, that Joe Biden has supported that would make no sense to support unless you were compromised. So um, I hope Ron Johnson gets to the bottom of it. I'll tell you who's already at the bottom of it. Chinese intelligence knows exactly what Joe Biden has That's done. Right. Russian intelligence knows exactly what Joe Biden has done. He is compromised and he has sold out the American worker, the American people um, for his own enrichment. And by the way, not giving a pass to Jill Biden. Jill Biden also had keys to Hunter Biden's office. I hope that they go after her as well because she's been deeply involved. There's absolutely forensic evidence um, that will prove that Joe Biden you know, was benefiting from Hunter Biden's uh, uh, money. And we already know from uh, Tony Bobulinski that Joe Biden was involved and was lying to the American people when he said he knew nothing about what Hunter Biden was doing. And it, it, it is, it, I think it's one of the biggest scandals in American history, and it couldn't happen at a more dangerous time. Sean, as you know, Joe Biden is going to be meeting with President Xi um, very shortly. And uh, I don't think we've ever met with uh, President Xi as a country, with our leader um, being, I mean, this is probably the weakest our leaders have ever been um, in meeting with him. It's, it's a dangerous time. We've enjoyed the conversation. And if you did too, let us know. Subscribe, rate, and review this podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. We hope to see you around the kitchen table next week. Bye, everybody.
from the Fox News Podcasts Network. Hey there, it's me, Kennedy. Make sure to check out my podcast, Kennedy Saves the World. It is five days a week, every week. Download and listen at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. 